Hey guys, what's up? Hope you guys are having a great day today and welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spazzitti program where we talk about financial freedom and economics and we talk about a whole host of other stuff. But you know, financial freedom and economics, they're the primary topics that we cover here. If you guys are just joining me here for the very first time, first and foremost, I want to say thank you and I had a favor to ask of you guys. If you guys are getting a lot of value out of this and, and you're really loving the show, then please go give the show a rating and review on iTunes. It just helps other people to, to see the show and it ultimately gets the show to be a bit more visible and you know, it just, you know, share the love, right? If you like it, then don't be selfish. Don't don't keep it hidden all to yourself. You know, get out there and uh, and go share and, and allow other people to get the same value that you are getting out of the show as well. So. I greatly appreciate it. And also, uh, kind of on the same note of that, if you, if again, if you are getting a lot of ad value out of this, then, you know, don't keep it all to yourself. Get out there and share it, you know, share it on the social medias, get it and, you know, share, you know, wherever you're at, share it with maybe three friends, you know, maybe two people, you know, that are going to love it. And maybe one person you're, you're not really sure, but you think they need to hear it, the message anyways. So if you guys would do all that, it would, I'd greatly appreciate it. We are growing each and every day. And that is because you guys come here each and every week to listen to the show. And it just, it means so much to me that you guys, I mean, you guys are busy. You got busy, you got busy lives. You got a lot of stuff that you guys are doing and whatnot. I mean, everyone's life is busy to some extent or another. And I just, I really love the, the fact that you guys are willing to come here and spend your time with me each and every week. I, I just really, really appreciate it. So thank you guys very much for that. And uh, yeah, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep pushing and, and it's going to be great. But anyway, so, you know, I really honestly don't know what I want to talk about today. So I actually was, I, I got a, all my stuff out early. I don't know if you guys, uh, last week, I don't know if you guys noticed him. So it, I'm literally recording this on Saturday and I posted all of my stuff Friday. Okay. So if you're listening to this, you won't be hearing this until the the following weekend. Okay. So, you know, th- that's just kind of how the show goes. I usually record it on the weekend and it usually takes me about a week to produce all the other stuff that I'm doing and just finally publish the material and whatnot. So I try to publish it before the weekends, although a lot of times I end up publishing on the weekends and stuff. So, but anyway, so if you guys are listening to this, this actually was recorded on the 30th of January. Okay. So prior the, the weekend before you guys probably probably are getting access to this. But that said though, yeah, I, I finally recorded more. I added more episodes to the Liberty Informant. I posted another free episode of the Liberty Informant and whatnot, which is great, which, hey, if you guys are interested, please go check out the Liberty Informant. If you want to support the show, you want to become a supporting listener, that's one of the best ways for you guys to do it. You know, becoming a supporting listener gives you guys access to the Matthew Spazzitti Elite Group, which is a pretty cool group that I'm putting together where a lot of people can just come in and and talk about, you know, talk about a lot of the stuff that we talk about here on the show. You know, we're coming together, we're helping each other become financially free, taking control of the source of our income. If you've decided and you agree with me that that's something you think you need to do and whatnot, and I would highly encourage, I think everybody needs to do it, then that would be a great place to go. You know, we, we build, you guys will, I'll be in there and, and you'll, get, you'll get to converse with me. But at the same time, you know, as the community grows, we're going to be having a lot of people who all want to come together and help each other achieve this liberty lifestyle of independence and the, and controlling the source of our income and becoming financially free. So it's a really, really cool group. I'm really, really excited about it. I have very, very high hopes for it. And I think this is where we go from, from here. I mean, there's a lot of negative stuff that's happening in the world and, and whatnot, you know, digital currencies, you know, there's a lot of stuff like digital currencies from the government's perspective. You know, they might outlaw cryptocurrencies and make their digital currency the only one you can transact with. You know, there's, there's a whole host of things 
that are going on and it's not always the most positive stuff and whatnot and you know censoring and all all this other kind of stuff is going on and while I don't disagree with the the ideas of censoring on a platform I, I think it's absurd when your claim is to allow information to freely be spoken and allow free speech and yet you go off and you start censoring well that's not really free speech so um, it, it, look I don't have any I don't disagree with people doing that on their own platforms I mean we all have to have standards when it comes to the group if, if you join the the Matthew Spitz the elite group there will be standards you know this it's not democracy you know I don't like democracy it's a benevolent you know I'm the king I, I, I'm the monarch I, I control it so there will be rules like you know I'm not gonna allow people to go and attack people if you don't have those rules a lot of times you can get some pretty vicious people that are in there. So it's important that you do censor to some extent to create a, a an area where people can come and, and converse and not be afraid of being, you know, attacked in a very vitriolic manner and whatnot. But that said, though, with all these things that are going on in the world, I think the direction that our country, if you're in the U.S., this is, you know, or if you're in the West in general, this applies probably to, to you guys also. But, you know, or if you're in some authoritarian country... The fact of the matter is that we are moving towards a new age, an age where governments are going to take even more power than they ever were before. We might actually see monetary devaluation. We might actually see the devaluing of our currencies. That happens typically slowly throughout years and years and years. You know, typically, you know, the money that gets printed, it gets given to, you know, the elites of society, and then it it finds its way down. You know, those people have to eat, right? They got to buy... They got to pay their bills. So that newly created money, I hate to use the term trickle down because there's such, you know, so many people like criticize it and trickle down economics. And yeah, I don't know. It just, it it has a a negative connotation to it and whatnot. And, but yeah, I mean, I hate using that term, but I think it is the most appropriate here that when money is printed for the first time, effectively, whoever has it is going to go off and buy something, right? They're going to go off and buy food. They might go off and buy a new fancy car or a new house. They might not. They might not buy any of that kind of stuff. They just might, they got to pay their electric bill. You know, they might just pay bills. And that's how the money circulates the economy. That's how it gets injected into the economy. Somebody spends it. And then once that person spends it, another person's going to spend, then another person. And before you know it, okay, it finds its way down the economic waterfall, if you will, to everybody else, all the normal people, people like me, people like you, every other everyday people. But by the time it gets to us, because it was newly created money at a, at a thin air, prices rise. So by the time it gets to us, and I don't know how long it takes for that money to get to you, you know, I have no idea. Maybe it takes years. I, I've, I have no idea. Maybe it takes a, a, a while. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. What I know is by the time it gets to you and me, it's already done its damage and it's, it's not worth what it was when it was newly created because you added to the supply of the money that's in an economy. You added to the money supply and when you artificially increase the supply of money and yet supplies that it goes for, the products and, and services that it goes for did not increase in conjunction with the supply of money, guess what? it becomes less valuable, 
right? This is the law of diminishing marginal utility. It's a very, very fancy word. A lot of people, like a lot of economists like to use it. If you're, if you're approaching it from a mainstream economic perspective, usually they look at the law of diminishing marginal utility different than the Austrians do. And the way I understand it, and if I get this wrong, please forgive me. Uh, feel free to correct me if you're joining me on Locals.com or MeWe, you know, make sure to direct message me. Make sure to tell me that I'm wrong. I don't think I am though. I mean, I, I, I study this stuff all the time. I read these books all the time, but the way I understand the law of diminishing marginal utility, okay, from the Austrian perspective, is that everybody has a list, a hierarchical list of things that are important to them. And there's there's items that are at the top of the list, and the items that are at the top of the list are things that we really, really highly desire, but they're not really the most important that we have to have in order to live, but we highly desire them. So like, I don't know, for me, Lamborghini, Ferrari, I really want it. I would love to have it, or Pagani, Pagani Waira. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> that is a sexy car. But okay, so we got the Pagani Waira at the top. Okay, sexy car, beautiful, love to have it. I can't afford it, but I'd love to have it. Right? I'd love to be able to afford the un- the the running costs and all of that stuff. I'd love to drive it around. I'd love the way it makes me feel. I highly desire it. So it's at the one on the top of my list, but it's not really the most important thing. You know, towards the bottom of the lists are things that are highly important, but not necessarily the things that we really, really, really desire. You know, I have to pay for my electric bill. Do I really, really desire electric? Do I really, really crave it? Do I have to have it? Nah, not really. I'm sure I would if I didn't have it. <laughs> you know, I'm sure I would crave it if I didn't have it. Sure. But I don't really, it's not really one of those things I highly desire. So that's how you can think about the hierarchical list of things that we want to buy or stuff of that nature that we would use our money for. But when we have a small amount of money, a small supply, it gets applied to the items that are the most important on our list that tend to be towards the bottom of the list. Things that we just have to have, they're not really things that we really, really want. Okay, And then as we start to make more money, as the supply of money grows, we tend to apply it to less important things, but things that we more, we more desire. Maybe we get fancier clothes. Maybe we get that new computer. Maybe you know, we buy that new MacBook Pro or that, that new laptop or whatever. Maybe that new cell phone. Maybe we go off and you know, we go ahead and we, you know, we buy a new car or a new house or get a pool or a hot tub or wh- whatever. Now, granted, I'm mentioning a lot of consumer-oriented items. It could, it doesn't necessarily have to be consumer-oriented items. Maybe there's a really expensive book out there that you really want to read, but it's an old book. It's highly collectible, so it's like hundreds of dollars. I don't know, right? But, you know, fill in the blank. But as we start to get a bigger supply of money, we start applying it to the things that we desire more, but are technically less important than the things on our list. This is the law of diminishing marginal utility on the smallest margin. Okay, the margin is the smallest increment of measure. The more that we have of a supply of anything, the less valuable it becomes. You see, when it's when we don't have a lot, it only gets applied to the most important things because we value it a lot more. But as we start to increase the supply, it becomes less valuable and we start to spend it on less important things, but things that we desire more, okay? Now, again, that's my analogy of the law of diminishing marginal utilities. When I've read it, when I've studied it, you know, over time as I study it, that's kind of the way I think about it and it's, it's, it's how my mind grasped it. So that explains 
why, when there's more money that exists in the economy, you know, it, it's not as valuable. And as a result of that, it just doesn't buy as much. It devalues the currency. As the supply of money increases, but the supply of goods remains the same, you know, ultimately what it does is it starts to increase the prices of the goods. And it starts to devalue the currency. Now, a lot of people will call this price inflation. Inflation is merely the creation of money, okay? The increase in the monetary supply in an economy, the money supply, the supply of money that's out there in the economy. That's what inflation is. Inflation is not an increase in general prices, but that's what you hear about in definitions. That's what you hear about economists talking about. That's what you hear about a bunch of financial gurus who know nothing about economics. That's what they'll tell you because that's the Keynesian way of thinking about it. And the Keynesians dominate and, and virtually control the narrative when it comes to, you know, economic related things, right? The field of economics, Keynesians ultimately control that. And that's one of the things that they've done is they want to get you to stop thinking about money as the cause of prices rising. They want you to think about inflation as prices rising so that they can blame anybody they want, any situation they want as causing those prices. Oh, the dirty business owner. He's just raising prices on you. He's just a horrible person, right? But it's like, I mean, come on. You created the money. The business owner is doing what he's done for centuries, for you know, since the dawn of time. You're the one that's creating the money though. And that's what's causing it. But you see, if they get you to think that what causes prices to rise is inflation, then they can blame anybody. They can shift the blame to anybody, any situation, anything. They like when during times of hurricanes, they can blame it on, you know, business owners, even though that's not inflation. Some people might say that price gouging is inflation. But you also have to understand price gouging is not actually an economic term. It does not exist in the field of economics. It's more or less a term that was coined by politicians to demonize the action of supply and demand reacting to each other, right? That's effectively what's happening. When demand spikes heavily, but the supply does not spike with it, prices rise. That's supply and demand, ladies and gentlemen. Economics 101. But that's what causes the prices to rise. So, you know, if like if you're thinking about water bottles, okay, like during a lot of the hurricanes a couple years back, you know, the, the water bottles were in short supply and they were having a hard time getting water bottles to the cities, particularly in Houston. Houston had this issue with, I think it was Hurricane Harvey. It's just this massive storm that kind of hovered around Houston for a long time. It was just very, very slow moving. It caused a lot of problems and, and whatnot. And anyways, with that stated, it was all this bickering and fighting over what they called price gouging. Hotel prices rose. Prices for the bottles of water rose. And there were people that got really angry and upset about all that. And they were like, how dare you in a time of crisis raise prices and you're a horrible human being and you lack of morality. You have no sense of sympathy for your fellow neighbor. You're a terrible, greedy, horrible person. That's what they would say. That's what they did say. I actually had people in my life who were, who were saying stuff like that. Can you believe it? I mean, I can, because frankly, nobody understands economics these days. It's just not properly taught. You might have maybe a little bit of economic classes like in high school and then, you know, they talk about it more in college, but 
a lot of the economics that you learn through those avenues are, are, are usually it's the wrong form of economics. It's not the right form. You know, no, very few people teach Austrian economics. In fact, most people don't even know that there's a lot of different ways of thinking about economics. There's lots of different schools of thought that are out there. No, <laughs> that's not discussed at all. In most cases, a good professor will allow you to see all the different fields of economics and point out the pros and cons of each and let you decide. Ultimately, that would be the best way to handle it. But that's not what happens, unfortunately. But anyways, I digress. But when it comes to the prices rising in a disaster situation, that's not inflation. That's just supply and demand, you know, reacting off of each other. That's just the prices responding to the demand and the lack of supply, okay? And inflation is more of a long-standing problem, more of a permanent issue. It's an issue that doesn't go away after a crisis subsides, right? So, but, but here's the thing, though. When prices start to rise... For whatever the reason is, they can blame it on businesses, the greedy capitalists, capitalism. This is this is why capitalism is evil. There's no emotions and, and sympathy in capitalism. There's nothing like that. But it's like, yeah, it is, actually. There, there are tons of that in capitalism, but you just don't want to acknowledge that because you don't like, you want to demonize it because you're a socialist, you're a communist. You hate it, yet you use it all the time. You love the benefits of capitalism. You love the idea of choosing for yourself what you want to buy. It's like Bernie Sanders. I mean, freaking A. The guy's a hypocrite. Every single socialist living in a capitalist society or, or communist is a, is a horrible hypocrite. Okay? Not saying they're horrible people, but they are hypocrites. Because they use capitalism every single day. They love having a choice between how many toothbrushes they get they can buy. They love having a choice between all the different brands of cars, the options they have available to themselves. They love having the ability to buy car, you know, buy fancy houses and earn lots of money. They love having all that. They just don't think that every common person needs that choice. It's like Bernie Sanders. Well, why does there have to be I mean, I think in the past he was like, well, "Why does there have to be choices for all these types of stuff?" Well, okay, are are you an idiot? Do you not want, do you not like choices in your daily life? You see, they love using the capitalistic system, but they want to demonize it because that's part of their brand. That's what they're known for. That's their track record. That's their image, right? That's what people know them for. That's why they're popular because they pander to that stuff. A lot of people who who have become wealthy off of the ideas of socialism, I don't know if they're just faking it because they don't or whether they're really true believers in it, but they don't practice socialistic ideas. They don't do it. No, they live a capitalist lifestyle, but yet they praise socialism and they become very wealthy by doing so. There's a brand out there. Um, gosh, I can't remember what what it's called. It's like a rebellious, rebellious brand or, or revolution brand or something. I, I don't. They do drinks and stuff. I've seen I've seen them advertised all the time, and they got like Soviet Union propaganda style artwork on their product, and it's like drinks. I don't know if it's like alcohol or or what's in the drink, but they have like you know you know the fist that that's always raised up with a red background or whatever. Sometimes it's like a yellow fist or, or whatnot. You know, they got that socialist, that kind of Soviet Union kind of artwork on their stuff. They cater their product, their branding to communism, to socialists. And communism and socialists love it. They eat it up. 
But that's a very capitalistic thing. The very idea that they have the choice to do that, to even create something like that, is a capitalistic thing. Again, ladies and gentlemen, what is capitalism? Capitalism is mutually beneficial trade among individuals. That's all capitalism is. It's nothing fancy. In fact, for the bulk of human history, before Karl Marx, there wasn't even a name for it. No one had a name for it. Karl Marx gave it a name because he wanted to demonize it. He wanted to make it seem horrible. But everybody is a capitalist. The socialists and communists, they don't like, they want equality. That's what they claim. They're liars. They really don't. I'm sure there are some true believers out there that are ignorant enough to believe that that's possible. And therefore they believe it, but those people are stupid and ignorant and are rubes and plebs. But the people who are getting wealthy and powerful off it, they know darn well that there's no such thing as equality. And they're going to be the ruling class. If, if they can get their ideas implemented and, and they can get their, their audience to basically give them the power, they're going to be the ones who get to rule over all others. You see, they're using these ideas to gain power and control. And they want to, and what they're saying is, I don't like this other system over here because I'm not the ruling class and I'm not rich and wealthy. But hey, if we do this, everyone will be equal. But oh, by the way, I'm not going to mention this to you, but I'm going to be wealthy and I'm going to be the ruling class if we implement the system that, that, that we all say we want. But in the end, they're really capitalists. They engage in mutually beneficial trade with, with other people. They do it all the time. If they buy food, that's capitalistic. It's mutually beneficial. You get food in your belly, you get tasty food that tastes good, and then you pay someone money who, who decided to make the food and, and invest in, in that labor, right? They engaged in the process to create the food for you. Everyone's happy. You, you have a cell phone? That's capitalism. You traded your money for the phone. You deemed that your money was less valuable than the phone. To you, the phone was more valuable. And whether that makes sense or not is irrelevant. Now, a lot of times it doesn't always make sense. I mean, some people, they have to have the latest and greatest. I am one of those. I love having the latest and greatest of stuff. Now, I don't always do it because of financial reasons, but I love doing it. I mean, I'm, look, I'm currently looking at an iPad right now for social media work. Basically, I actually, for those of you guys who don't know, you know, if you're following me on social media, you see, you may see that I don't post things all the time, okay? I am not the normal person in that sense. I focus on the work that I got to do with regards to content creation, and then I focus on family. And a lot of times, I'm not the best at making time for social media. I hate social media to begin with, first and foremost. It's a toxic environment. I don't like it. But it is a good method of building an audience and getting more people uh, to see the stuff that you're producing. But one of the things about social media that I don't like is that it's very addictive is the, probably the best way to describe it. In fact, it's so addictive to the point that I actually have to block access to it because if I don't, then I'm going to waste my life on it. It's so addictive and I hate it. It's like a love-hate relationship, right? Now, uh, for me, the, the real addiction that I have is I love YouTube. I love learning about trading, investing, economics. I love watching YouTube videos. You know, I mean, I'll binge. I'll get on YouTube and sometimes it'll be for a video game that I was playing at the time sometime. And then I will go through like totally different topics. Like I got on YouTube for one particular purpose and then I ended up staying for watching about the te battery technology in Teslas or, or technology with regards to, you know, deep cycle batteries or something like that. Like that wasn't even the original purpose, but I love it. I love learning and love watching videos on that stuff. One of the reasons why I actually have a, subscri a subscription to Skillshare, 
right? I love Skillshare. There's lots of really great courses out there. There's lots of educating stuff. But with that said, though, Skillshare, I have a subscription to it because it's great. I love learning and it's it, they have really great high quality courses and stuff. And actually, if you're interested, I'll post the link in the description below. It is affiliate link. But yeah, go check them out. They're really, really good. I mean, I love them. I mean, I've used them for email marketing. I've used them for YouTube ads. You know, when I wanted to do YouTube ads, I did a lot of research and uh, you know, Skillshare was part of that. You know, I learned... Uh, Gosh, what else did I do? I, I know they got stuff on how to fly drones. I've been meaning to to take that course. I admittedly have not. There's tons of stuff on trading forex, trading options and stocks, and investing on there. I've I haven't had the chance to go through all that stuff, but it's I. I I don't know, so I can't really give any recommendations on whether that stuff is good information or not, but it looks pretty good overall. But yeah, there's, there's tons of stuff out there. There's tons of, of different stuff. It's really great. So if you guys are, are looking to invest in your skills, that would be a a great way to do it. I I would highly recommend. If you want to learn trading, you should really go to Tier 1 Trading. If you want to learn Forex trading, uh, go to Tier1Trading.com. Again, I'll post the link in the description below. Uh, They're an affiliate link that I got too. They're absolutely an amazing group of guys there. And I I didn't really intend any of this to be a pitch for affiliate programs. I know I haven't done affiliate programs in a while. I've mostly just been pitching my, my Liberty Informant stuff, but we are getting, you know, halfway through the show. So I thought, you know, So, you know, anyways, I didn't intend it to be that way, but that's just kind of how it all worked out. But that said, though, you know, tier one trading is a great, if you want to learn how to become a consistently profitable trader, you you agree with me, you want to control the source of your income, but you're like, yeah, but Matthew, I I just don't know how I feel about selling products and services to other people. I got to worry about customer service. I got to worry about, you know, stuff breaking down on me and having to fix it, making sure that payment portals and setting everything. I don't know if I want to deal with all that. Hey man, I completely understand. All right. There's a lot of stuff that goes into, if you're going to sell a course or anything to somebody, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not merely just selling something and, you know, hands off, you're done. It's, it's not like that. So Trading, on the other hand, gives you the ability to to make money and not have to sell anything to anybody, which is why I think it's so appealing to some people. You could do it on a computer. You could do it on an iPad or anything of the sort. As long as you have an internet connection, you can engage in trading. I've actually traded options straight from my phone. I never used my laptop. I never even used my desktop. How crazy is that? Right. I, I usually I would use the TradingView app. TradingView is another affiliate program that I have, but they're a charting platform. Right. If you're into trading, you know that you need to read charts in order to understand what's going on. I don't even use fundamentals. I use pure. I'm a purely technical guy. And I only look at for patterns and price action that's going on in the charts in order to attempt and predict where the market's going. I've actually been fairly successful with it in the past. I was trading uh, options and I actually, gosh, if I think about it, it was a little while ago. Uh, it was it was without a strategy, which is why I stopped it. I didn't, I don't want to trade without a strategy. And I was, I was violating one of the rules that I I advocate for is don't trade without a strategy. And I was doing that. That was a long time ago. But when I was doing it, you know, I was using uh, TD Ameritrade. That was the broker I was using. I am now switching to somebody else because I don't like how to, even though I'm not trading now, I, I don't like how TD Ameritrade is restricting access to what stocks you can and cannot trade and what and how you can and cannot trade, uh, which they started doing because of the whole GameStop debacle. I'm sure you guys have heard of that. We'll talk about that in the, the second half of the show here. But 
I hated that, and I hated how they restricted your access to money. So I'm transferring my money to another broker. I'm, I'm thinking about going with Tastyworks. <laughs> kind of a really weird name for a broker, but they they specialize in options and stocks, and it, lo- it looks like a really good place to go. So I'm gonna go. I'm thinking about going there. They actually made. If you guys are familiar with TD Ameritrade, they have a soft a trading software called Think or Swim. The guys at Tastyworks which is the broker service of Tasty Trades. Tasty Trades is an, an options trading platform. You know, it's all free education. If you want to go check that out, if you're interested in options, if you're interested in stocks, it's all free stuff. Tastytrades.com. We go, go there. I'm not affiliated with them at all. They're absolutely amazing. I, I just discovered them. And I absolutely love them so far. And everything they offer there is free. But Tastyworks is the brokerage service of Tasty Trades, right? So they use Tasty Trades. They give you a lot of free stuff, a lot of value. And then they hope that you will go and you will you know, use their, their brokerage services and whatnot. That's the business model. And then the, but the brokerage service is actually one of the, one of the cheaper ones out there. And they've, they've rated very high on investor business daily and all that kind of stuff. Again, I don't currently use tasty works. I, I probably will add them to my affiliate links They're I'm not affiliated with them currently. So, but they do have a pretty interesting platform. They've got a pretty cool looking app and everything, which I mean, every broker has an, has an app these days, but anyways, I digress. I'm getting off on a tangent. I'm not affiliated with Tastyworks or Tasty Trades, at least not yet. Once I start using Tastyworks, I probably will get an affiliate program with them. And I'm not, I'm never going to recommend that you go there. I don't recommend brokers, but I will tell you my experience and you can make a decision for yourself. You know, you know your finances better than me. Okay. But if you're interested in TradingView, I do have an, uh, an affiliate program with them. I love, I use TradingView all the time. They're actually my best charting platform ever. And you know what? It's dirt cheap. So, you know, you can do a free, you could do a free profile and then you can use it for free if you want to. But if you actually want to pay, you know, they got a lot of extra features that are there for those that pay. And it's really, really cool. So if you want to go look at that, you can, I'll post that link in the description below as well. Really, really great charting platform. That said though, I'm switching my brokers, my brokerage services, uh, because of the whole GameStop stuff. I don't like people telling me what I can and cannot do with my money. But with that said though, I was trading a long time ago without a trading strategy. And I actually did make some money, you know, with, I think I was using TD Ameritrade's app in conjunction with a trading view map. That's why I mentioned TD Ameritrade in the first place. I was using them together. So I, in order to get an idea of what the prices were, I need a good charting platform. So I would pull up the, the chart. Sometimes I would use it on my phone, uh, you know, and I would trade straight from the phone. Sometimes I would pull up the chart. I like a big screen when I'm looking at my charts. So I would pull up the chart on say, I don't know, my iPad. And then I would actually execute the trade on my phone through the TD Ameritrade app. And that was how I did it. A lot of times it was really cool. It was really cool. Well, anyways, I took a thousand dollar account and within a couple months I was able to turn it into uh, 2230, $2,235. So $2,235. I know that's not like a massive amount of money for, okay. I know that's not, but that within the time frame that I did, it was, I think it was over a couple of months that I did that, but the return is amazing. Well over a hundred percent, at least it was like a hundred and twenty percent return. Not bad at all by any standards. Now again, I don't remember how long it took me to do that. I have it in my head that it was a couple of months. I wasn't trading like super religiously. But anyways, I've made money on the options market. I know a fair amount of options. I know a decent amount. You know, I'm kind of still learning about iron condors and, and credit spreads. The, the, that stuff is highly technical. We're not going to get into it on the show. But um, I know about, you know, buying calls, buying puts, selling calls, selling puts, and all that kind of stuff. And if you know, I, I feel like I'm getting down a rabbit hole here. I'm really... <laughs> 
Oh gosh, I don't really want to go into what is a put and what what is a call what's a put. Look, we we'll do we'll do an episode on that for another day, okay? And I'm not saying we'll do it this week, but we'll do it another time. It's just not the purview of the show, and that's going to take a, a while to go and explain and whatnot. Heck, you know, I have a YouTube channel. I have it's been a while since I posted a video to it. You know, I've I've really been focusing more on the podcast and the actual trading aspect of what I'm doing. You know, I'm still back testing my trading strategy, but it's it's difficult to make time for all the editing of the content that I'm already creating and and everything else. So admittedly, I'm trying to work and be better about that. But maybe I'll do a YouTube video somewhere down the line explaining these things and uh, we could take maybe take the audio excerpt from that and turn that into a podcast episode or something else, something of that nature. Anyways, that said, you know, trading is a great, great, great way of making money and becoming financially free. I, I love it. It's it's an absolutely amazing way. And I, so I highly encourage you guys, if you if you're looking to become financially free trading, whether it's options, whether it's Forex and I and I like to engage in both personally, I, they're both they're both great ways of doing it. But don't go and spending money without getting educated. You can lose a massive amount of money. Don't take any of the advice that I'm saying. Here's your disclaimer. Don't take any advice that I'm saying as an endorsement or recommendation that's not what I'm saying at all. Well, I mean, okay, I am endorsing the companies that I that I that I have used because I love them. I love them very much. I use them all the time. They're absolutely amazing. But I'm not trying to give you recommendations what you could do with your finances. I'm not a licensed individual. Don't listen to anything I say. My returns are not average and uh, you're likely to lose almost all of your money. There you go. There is your legal disclaimer per the SEC and our faithful overlords. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, you know, so it's a great way. You need to become financially free, okay? And with the direction that our country is going in and that Western culture and society is going in in general, we need to create a group of individuals who all want to become financially free so we can help each other in that. You're not going to survive on your own little island. If you try and you go and you live in the country and you think that that keeps you safe, just wait. The Bolsheviks will find you. They will come for you. Okay, you need a community of individuals to help you, to help keep you mobile, to help give you mobile income, income that you control, to help with all of that. You need, you're not going to be able to do everything. You're not Tony Stark for crying out loud. Okay, (laughs) ah, gosh, Tony Stark was one of my favorite Marvel characters until he sided with the government. And I'm like, ah, you freaking unprincipled rich prick. But it really pissed me off. But he used to be my favorite character before uh, Civil War, and he sided with the the United Nations and whatnot, freaking globalist organization. But anyways, with that stated, though, you're not Tony Stark. You don't have an unlimited, uh, you know, even though he's fictional, uh, you don't have an unlimited amount of money and an unlimited amount of resource. You just don't. You're going to need help. You're going to need to know, are there liberty-oriented people who don't care about your views, and but they will offer you, they're, they're an internet service provider. Are there people that are out there who are going to offer you a different email service so you don't have to use Gmail? Or are there people that are out there that are going to allow you to, I don't know, buy a phone but not track what you're doing? And yes, there is a company that's currently out there that's developing a Linux-based operating system uh, cell phone where... It's all open source software and you can download whatever operating system you want. And in theory, you can download stuff from the computer. So you don't, ha- you don't have to go through an app store. How amazing is that? No app store. You, all you have to do is download software from the computer, just like you would on a normal computer. A normal computer. There's a Linux-based version. 
download it. It works on your phone. How freaking cool is that? That's amazing. I want it. I want one really bad. But with that said, okay, you need to know where we where you can go. And maybe I'll do an episode, actually. I just discovered a website. That, that That's what they do. They have a whole list of different services that you guys can use and that, that are better and are going to be less likely to, to silence you and, and, and censor you and all that kind of stuff. It's really cool stuff. So I'm really looking into doing that right now. I mean, I got, man, I got to switch over all my emails. I've been using Gmail for years just because it was easy. It was easy. And, and frankly, I didn't really know of all the other services and, and I didn't really think there was ever really a reason to change for years, you know, as... There wasn't a whole lot of censoring going on. I just never had thought about it. And so once people started talking about it, I was like, oh, I really probably should consider it. But then I never really gave it a whole lot of of time and whatnot. Now I know a ton of companies. So I'm going to go and choose the best one and go from there. And again, I can, t- I can tell you guys which ones, uh, which ones I'm going to go with and, and what I'm looking at and whatnot. But anyways, a Proton Mail is a really, is a really popular one. Very well known. Uh, fully encrypted, by the way. I think it's end-to-end encrypted, so uh, it, it, uh, it, it's really good stuff, so that's that. Let's get into the second half of the show. The second half of the show is I wanted to talk about, I was actually kind of debating on this. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to talk about. I'm, I'm thinking I, I wanted to talk about, okay, so a while back, Tom Woods did an episode, the great Tom Woods, absolutely love him. He has the Tom Woods show. If you guys haven't checked it out, you need to be going and you need to be listening to Tom Woods. Amazing, amazing man. Good anarcho-capitalist man. He's Christian. Good guy. Very good guy. I mean, you don't have to be a Christian for me to classify you as a good guy, but I like it. It's it's icing on the cake for me because I am a Christian. Now, granted, he's Catholic. I'm not, but you know, whatever. Anyways, that said, uh, he was he was talking about on the show how when the virus came out, he initially was like, yes, okay, I can, I can understand uh, shutting down and locking down. I think, I think that's what he was talking about on the show. It's been a while since I listened to it, but it's like the great Tom Woods admitted that he was wrong. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, obviously he's a human being. He's a, you know, he's sinful like everybody else. He's fallible. Okay. Just like I am, just like every single human being that's out there, if, if they're trying to tell you they're infallible, uh, run as fast, run away, run away as fast as you can. Run fast, run far, right? Every human being is fallible. If they bleed red, okay, they're fallible. Okay, if they got fingers and toes, they're fallible. But that said, he, he admitted in the show that he was wrong. He said he was, and I quote, I was dead wrong. And he said this because he, they were talking about the virus and he was effectively saying that how he was wrong with regards to the initial claims of the virus. He didn't know, like so many other people, he actually didn't understand what the virus really was. And it's understandable, right? A lot of people didn't really get that. And he actually was like, okay, yeah, if we got to lock down so that we can prevent the hospitals from being overrun and, and not having the capacity to deal with all this stuff, then okay, you know, short term, let's go ahead and do that. Give the hospitals the ability. I actually knew um, a lot of my mentors, they said the same thing. You know, naturally I did not like them. I didn't know how bad the virus was. And I was, I was full in favor of people self-isolating if that's what they wanted to do. But I'm like, no, we do not lock down. Do not support the lockdown. Stop. It was making me mad. So many liberty-loving people, so many were supporting the lockdowns. Now, again, when Tom Wood says that he was wrong, 
I don't remember the episode exactly. There, it, that was not the, the major purview of the episode, and it was a while, a little while ago. Okay, so don't he may not have been admitting that he was in favor of the lockdowns. I think that's what he was saying. That he was like, okay, let's lock down just for a short period of time, and let's get back and you know get the hospitals what they need, and let's go go back. I think that's what he was saying. He may have just been saying that let's lock down f- free choice, but let's not like mandatory lockdown everybody. I don't really, I can't really remember. I think he was saying that we need to lock down businesses and everything else for a short period of time. I think he was, I don't know if he would, he, he was saying that he agreed with that if it meant, you know, preventing the hospitals from getting overrun. And this was before we knew that hospitals operate close to 100% capacity on a normal basis anyways prior to COVID and just on a normal day of operation for them. This was before we knew that. You know, when you hear about certain hospitals saying, oh, there's only three ICU beds left. Oh, there's, you know, we're, we're almost completely overrun. We, we don't have enough. What you really got to ask yourself the question is, yeah, but isn't that normal? Is that normal for you guys? Is that pretty normal for you guys to be pretty close to full capacity and not have many ICU beds? Is that really that abnormal? And, you know, if it's not, what about during flu season? Again, is that really that abnormal? And it turns out it, it is fairly normal for the vast majority of these hospitals. You know, having high capacities and being close to the max capacity and whatnot, that's actually fairly normal. It's not unique statistics, but we didn't know that before. But the point was, was that even Tom Woods was hoodwinked to some extent. And there were so many other liberty-oriented people that initially believed that we needed to lock down and self-isolate for a while in order to get rid of the virus or prevent the hospitals from being overrun. And, you know, it it frustrated me. It really did. Because so many liberty-loving people, so many people that, that say no against, you know, all this government overreach and government regulations and government interventionism, and yet, for whatever reason, when the virus came around, they capitulated, at least initially. They fell for it. I couldn't understand it for the life of me. Now, I'm not saying I was perfect. I looked at the situation too and I was like, okay, I don't really know what we're dealing with. Is this really as deadly as it is? Let's self-isolate. If nothing else, I don't want to get sick. You know, I had a one-year-old. She wasn't even a one-year-old at the time. And I'm like, you know, if nothing else, I don't want to get sick. I got a young daughter and, you know, I have to watch my daughter while my wife works. You know, I don't want my wife to have to take vacation. And, you know, it would just it would just be a huge inconvenience. So we, we decided to lock down. We actually were already kind of self-isolating a little bit because of the flu. We didn't want to get the flu. We didn't want our daughter to get the flu. And we knew that if we got the flu, my wife would have to take time off work. And, and they were talking about layoffs and we didn't really want to do any of that, which she did, unfortunately ended up getting laid off anyways. But anyways, again, getting off tangent, man, I am getting off tangent all the time. For those of you guys who are listening, sometimes I do that a fair amount and I do apologize. I don't mean to do that. It's just, it's the way I think. I just, I, I think this way. When I'm talking to you, this is pretty much the thought process that is going through my head most of the time. You guys get to hear what I'm thinking, okay? And yeah, I I bounce around a lot. I am ADD, so I do have a tendency to just bounce around stuff, and I apologize. I'm I'm trying to get better at it, but anyways... You know, when it comes to this this virus, and you know how I feel about it, you know, it's been nothing but one big massive scam, right? The virus exists, but it is by no means anywhere near as deadly as everyone has hyped it up to be. And it's not a killer virus. You know, the vast majority of people who get this are surviving. Even old people with a lot of pre-existing conditions, they still survive. 
Okay, the bulk of people who get it survive. So this is no worse than the flu in terms of the severity of it all. But a lot of people didn't know that. And I didn't know that either. And I, like I said, I was in favor of self-isolation, personal choice with self-isolation. But I was not, never was I in favor of these lockdowns. I said no. And I was like, absolutely not. We do not lock down. You know how devastating the economy that will be? You know how many people will die in excess if we cause that? If we do that? The Lancet published an article not that long, a while ago. It was in 2012, I think, is when the article came out, saying that over an extra 230,000 people in excess died in 2008 because they didn't get the health care they needed. for, And that was just cancer patients. They didn't get the health care they needed for the cancer. And they died, an extra 230,000 people. And you know what? It was all a government-made problem. They didn't have the money because they lost their jobs and they lost their health insurance. Well, whose fault was that? The government, money printing, keeping low interest rates, causing bubbles. It was them. It It was the government that caused it from the beginning. They caused the problem. It's on their hands. They killed 230,000 people. In my in my most humble opinion, it's on the government's hands. The blood is on their hands. Unintended consequences. 230,000 people in excess died. They didn't have to die. If we had just practiced sound money, if we just practiced no government interventions on crap for years and years, wouldn't have happened. What do you think is now going, and that was just cancer patients, ladies and gentlemen. What do you think is going to happen now? This is what I was saying. I was saying, who's tracking the deaths that are caused by the lockdowns? Who's tracking the deaths? You know, we're all about tracking the numbers, or at least we were. Now now we're coming down from it. Now we're going to start seeing that COVID is no longer a problem. We're going, oh, well, now we've collected all the information. Now that Trump's out of the office. You know, they're not going to say now that Trump is out of the office, but, you know, everything's going to be hunky-dory. We're, we're peaking, and now we're coming down. The vaccine, all of a sudden, is going to come out in mass. All of a sudden, COVID-19 is going to be a thing of the past. People are going to downplay it. They're not going to talk about it as much. CNN got rid of their COVID counter. That had been up pretty much for a year now, uh, ever since this freaking you know virus came around. The truth is the whole thing was a manipulated scam to get you to be fearful and to capitulate. And it was orchestrated by government and the media. And all their experts that, you know, basically say whatever the, the mainstream tells them to say. But it was all intended to keep you under control. To control you. To gain more power. To gain more money. That's what it was all done. But a, a lot of people fell for it. And it was frustrating me. And I was like saying, no. I got into arguments with my own loved ones in my life. Right? I got into arguments with them. I said, no, I don't care how bad it is. I don't care if people are dying in the streets. We do not lock down for anything because the consequences of locking down will be worse it let the people decide let them decide for themselves what is risky and what is not we don't lock down we don't violate property rights we don't hurt people we don't take their stuff and when you lock down you're hurting people and you're taking their stuff you're taking their their money with taxes and then you're telling them they can't work how is this not a violation of human rights of human property rights it's a huge violation. And years and years down the line, we're going to come out and they're going to they're going to tell you, "Oh, by the way, when no one cares about it and no one's watching, we're going to tell you how many people died in excess because of the lockdowns." Depression, 
suicide, heart attacks, strokes, procedures they didn't get that they really needed because, oh, the hospitals were too busy dealing with COVID patients. Because you took away all the non-life-threatening procedures, all the elective surgeries, you took those away from the hospitals and you basically said, oh, but don't worry, we'll give you money for every COVID patient and for every COVID death. What do you think that does? You think they're going to focus and devote a lot of resources? You're not going to do it with regards to all the elective surgeries? They can't. It's against what the government mandated. Ladies and gentlemen, it, 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 was, it was frustrated the living daylights out of me. We don't lock down. I don't care what the circumstances are. I don't care. Actually, you know, I say I don't care. In fact, I care too much. I care more about everybody else. That's why I never supported the lockdowns to begin with. That's why I never capitulated like so many other people did. So many other liberty-oriented people. We should have been the, the voice of no lockdowns. And thankfully, there were a lot of people that were. There were a lot that were, but there were so many that failed and capitulated. And it was sad, and it drove me insane. We talk about freedom and liberty all the time, but when some virus comes around, apparently all that goes out of the window. That's beyond the pale. Uh, I'm not going to say it's unforgivable because, uh, you know, but it, 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 it isn't unforgivable, but it's not right. It just isn't. You know, but, you know, over time, people realized that they were wrong and that the virus, while being a real virus that has legitimately killed people, not, I'm not pretending like that hasn't happened. It ultimately was nothing that most people needed to worry about. But how, you know, I, I guess the, the reason I bring all this up is how did liberty loving individuals, so many of them. Get suckered into the scam. How? Can any of you know? It's actually quite interesting when you really think about it. You know, so many people got suckered into this. Well, in a very, very basic sense, they listened and they watched the news. But there's far more to it than just watching the news. The mainstream media had a huge impact when it came to the coronavirus. Yes, very much so. You see, it's, it's long since been speculated that the news influences and controls people. For those of us who are liberty-oriented and, you know, we question the narratives, we understand this. The news is a huge propaganda machine. It's been a huge propaganda machine since the dawn of time. Before there was the news, there was the person on the side of the street that had papers and posters and image with images that were painted and written on the, on the posters. And it was propaganda for the monarchy or it was propaganda for what, whatever. There's always been propaganda from the media. But what the media was has changed over time. But they've always been used as the arm of the government. I don't know if journalism was ever, re ever really existed. I actually have a belief that any news item that you're reading, if it's not from an alternative source that's trying to get you to think more liberty-minded in Austrian economics, virtually everything else is propaganda to get you to think that the state is the best way forward, that all the problems in the world can be fixed by the state, by the government. That's, that's what I truly believe. Every single media arm that's out there that's in favor of the government, that's all intentional. And that is all propaganda. The media is always a manipulation arm of the government. And they don't do it by actually taking control. They say, oh, well, this is a free company. They're a free company. You know, they're free. They can do what they want. We're not forcing them to. And yet, 
the actual executives in those media companies actually are related to politicians. By the way, politicians that aren't elected. Politicians that are engaged, are part of that the whole deep state, quote unquote. Right? I don't, I, I don't like to think of the deep state as the deep state. I like to think of, that's just the nature of the state. There are going to be a ruling class that, uh, that emerge from the state that have a very low turnover. In fact, they can serve for life in many cases. They amass massive amounts of power. And they can hop, when they leave government, they hop into corporate executives, corporate executive positions on you know, boards and, and different departments and corporations. You see this happening all the time. You see, the funny thing is, is our big corporations are a product of the government. They allowed them to be created. You know, they allowed them to get as big as they are. They are a product of the government. I don't know if a big corporation would ever really exist in a true free market economy or in a mostly free market economy. I don't know. If there was no government, no power brokers granting them special privileges that gives them an, an edge and keeps their competition out of the market, would, they, would it be possible for them to get as big as they are? I don't know. I don't think so. I believe that no. So every big corporation today is the arm of the government. In fact, corporations themselves, as they become very, very large, they actually become a pseudo-government. If they have the ability to use force in every which way, a lot of people say that a government is a, it's an institution that has the monopolistic use of force within a certain territory, geographical territory. That's what a lot of people say. That's what Hans Hermann Hoppe says, that it's the monopolistic use of force that defines whether or not they're a state of government. I don't use that kind of definition. I use, if they have the ability to use force at all, in my opinion, they are a form of government. They don't have to, it doesn't have to be monopolistic. If they have the ability to use force at all, they are a form of government in my book. So social media companies that while they are free market entities, they're the ones that are silencing people. They can use force. They can silence individuals. They can, like Amazon, they can try to force people out of the market, try to kill businesses that overly rely on their services. That's a use of force. Now, no, they're not going out there with the guns and, you know, locking you up or trying to kill you, but it's a form of force in my mind. So therefore, they are a form of government. That's kind of how I define it. But ladies and gentlemen, the media is a propaganda arm for the government. And they've been manipulating and controlling people for decades. They do this by stirring up emotions inside of people through the topics they talk about and the music they play in the background. It all has a psychological effect. And a whole host of other influential tactics they use to get people hooked on their content. You know, you see this in, in entertainment as well. You see this in media as well. Like when you're watching movies, you could be watching a scene in a movie that is not really, it's a little tense and stuff. But what would you do if you took away the music? Would you still feel as tense if you took away the music? No, probably not. Probably not. You'd probably think you, you wouldn't feel the emotion stir inside you. You know, I was just I was literally I was just watching um <laughs> I was just watching WandaVision again with my wife. They're, they're releasing a new episode every week, and so far it's been actually very very good. Uh, I'm not going to give any spoilers away, but there was this one scene in this week's episode and yeah, you know, I I want to give it away, but basically what happened is that there, there, was, there was a very intense scene and, and I, you know, I got all emotional about it. Like, just really emotional. And I'm not, like, crying about it, but it's like, oh my gosh, it's all tense and everything. It's great. And, <laughs> you know, it, it made the scene so much riveting. But I was like, 
you know, there's there's intense music, I'm seeing people running around, the camera's kind of shaking a little bit, right? And I'm like, what if you stopped the camera shaking? What if you took away the music? I literally thought this during the show. I didn't think about the whole camera shaking, but I thought this with regards to the music. Would it really be as riveting and intense, and it, that, that intense of a scene as, as it was with the music? No. You see, there have been a lot of psychological studies that go into how people can influence you and control you and how they can get certain emotional reactions by giving you all these different inputs. And sometimes it's shaking the camera. Sometimes it's, you know, setting the scene. Sometimes it's music, all that kind of stuff, the way people are talking, you know? There's all these different inputs that cause us to have different emotions about it. And when you see, like, say, on the news, okay, you see that there's, like, a, a car chase on the news. or And there's all this, like, really intense music and all this kind of stuff and, and, and whatnot. And you're like, oh, my gosh. I'm, like, on the edge of my seat. What's going to happen? That's a manipulative tactic, ladies and gentlemen. That is a manipulative tactic, a cognitive, psychological, manipulative tactic that people use to control you. And the reason they want to do this, they want because when they can get you to feel extreme emotions, whether it's sadness, anger, whatever, maybe even happiness, if they can get you to feel these extreme emotions, you are open to ideas. Your brain, your mind is open to ideas that you would not have been open to before. You stop thinking rationally. This is a common tactic in sales and marketing all the time. You know, if you, uh, I don't know if you guys, gosh, I don't really want to mention his name. Uh, I probably shouldn't. There are marketers out there that will go out there and and they will send you newsletters. Maybe there there will be a video that you watch and they're typically pitching you to buy some kind of, you know, some kind of precious metal, you know, product. Sometimes it's actual physical precious metals. Sometimes it's like mining stocks and they set the scene and everything and they more or less frame the conversation that the world is ending or at least that the country is going to die. We're sitting on a house of cards. They frame the conversation and then they use a lot of serious, stern way of of talking to you. Their tone of voice is very stern. They've got intense music. They got in the background. They display images of maybe a city burning or something of that nature. And you start to feel really fear. Why? All you're doing is watching a video. Why is there fear? Because there's all these different inputs, psychological inputs that are being embedded into your mind that your brain is being hoodwinked into getting yourself to be fearful. Why are they trying to do that to you? Because they want to present a problem to you. And then they want to provide you a solution that, by the way, You can only get through them. And they want to effectively use this to manipulate you. And if they want you to buy their stuff, there is a higher chance you're going to buy from them if they can get your emotions all riled up. That was used in COVID-19. Okay, the reason I'm talking about that was used in this whole COVID-19 pandemic lockdown scam. That, That was used. When they talked about the virus, they had all these inputs on the news. They had all these like... There was a COVID counter. CNN had a COVID case counter. You don't think that was intentional for influence? You think it was just arbitrary? It wasn't arbitrary, okay? It was intended to contribute to the emotions. You see, when they talked about it, they talked about it with the tone of voice was intense. 
there, the music in the background created emotions inside of you. And maybe even if there was no music, there are still other ways that they did it. They showed you imagery. They talked to a person who was suffering from it. They talked to scientists and they did statistical predictive modeling, which is all just hokum. Frankly, <laughs> it's not it's not witchcraft and magic, but you know, it's it's all just like it's all guesswork. None of it has any basis in reality. See, they tr- they tried to craft your your reality. They attempted to manipulate you and to shape your reality for you because if they control your reality, they control you. They control your mind and what you think, they control you. That's the truth. And that was used a lot in this COVID-19. That's why I'm talking about it. But there have even been studies that show that whatever the news shows you, it also tends to create as well. I don't know if you guys have ever read this stuff. You know, I've heard about it. I haven't actually gone out and read it. But they've done studies where, for example, I heard that there was a study that showed that when the news showed car chases, I know we just kind of talked about that, it actually caused the very people watching to go out and commit a crime so they could also be in a car chase. They actually liked it. They liked the car chase. They liked the attention. Whatever reason, they wanted to be in that car. So according to the study, and others like it, the news effectively causes and creates crime by simply showing it to people in the way that they do. With music, with intensity, a camera that's shaking. You know, people talking about, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I don't know. You know, how long do you think he's going to run out of gas? You know, has he run into anybody? Oh, look at the damage he's causing. You know, whatever. You see, in the end, they create, according to a study, okay? And I, and I think it actually makes sense. When they show crimes, they're actually creating more crimes. They're causing people to go out and to commit the crimes. Isn't that fascinating? I mean, I've never heard that up until I think it was actually, I think it was when I was listening to that Tom Woods episode that that was even brought up how people have been hoodwinked and manipulated by the coronavirus. It was actually brought up in that episode. If I remember correctly, how insane is that? The news causes the crime by showing it to everybody. If they can cause crime by simply showing you the crime, what else can they cause? Could they create riots? Yeah, sure. If they show you a riot, they can make other people riot. Other people will be watching the news and be like, yeah, that's right. I'm going to go and do it. They exacerbate the problem. They intensify it. They create it. I firmly believe that the riots were largely caused by paid organizations. They had some community leaders that were on the ground and they, they, they basically paid them to get a bunch of people riled up. And it all came from the ruling class, very, very high, wealthy people who want to see globalism. And actually, I'm not trying to say it was George Soros. That's not what I'm trying to say, because I know that's where a lot of you guys are thinking. I'm not trying to say it was the Bilderbergs or the Illuminati or whatever. Look, I don't I don't get into a lot of that stuff, okay? Yes, there is a ruling class. And yes, I agree that there are high-powered, very wealthy individuals in that ruling class. But I don't think it's a secret society. In fact, they're not really secret at all. At all, You can just look at the World Economic Forum and the group that meets in Davos every year. They actively, you know, they actively tell you what they want to do. It's insanity. They're open about it. They're not secretive. And it's not so much one organization or one person or one individual. It's, it's largely, it's an ideology that many people share. 
many powerful people share. And as a result, they all start to work in that way. It's really more the ideology that is really the threat. It's not so much the individuals themselves per se or an organization. It's it's the ideas. You see, the World Economic Forum, the Great Reset, is largely a propaganda machine. They're propagandizing it. They're trying to get people on board with it by by promoting it. They don't. If you really want to affect and cause a change in culture and society, you don't do that by creating some secret organization that other people are, are that don't know exist. No, 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 no. You get your ideas out there. You want it to be visible. You know there are going to be a lot of people who reject it, but you know there are going to be a lot of people who are totally on board with it. Let's look at the Great Reset. What are they saying? They want climate change, more inclusivity. That that harks back to race politics and gender politics, identity politics in general. They want wealth inequality to go in. They want all these different things, and it's crap. It's not ever going to work. It totally ignores human behavior. They want technocracy. They want technology companies that engage in authoritarianism effectively, that control the people to, through technology. That's all it is. It's not a new idea. It's just authoritarianism, you know, that uses technology to control people. They want transhumanism, ladies and gentlemen, mixing humans with machines, putting a microchip in your arm and getting it scanned so you can buy stuff, putting a microchip in your brain. They're fully open with everything they want. It's a propaganda machine. They're trying to cause it. There are many people that are wealthy and powerful and people who aren't, but there are many people who are wealthy and powerful who are listening to what the World Economic Forum says, to what Klaus Schwab says. They share the same globalist ideas. This is just another attempt for globalism to take over the world. But again, they're trying to get their ideas out there. They're trying to cause you to be emotional so that you don't rationally think. This is how people sell. This is how they sell products, services. This is how they sell ideas, right? But with that said, ladies and gentlemen, look, I mean, this stuff is done to us all the time. See, we're all being influenced all the time. It's just that most people don't know that they're being influenced. Most most people don't know that it's it's happening. We need to become much, much better at understanding and recognizing it. We need to become much better at it. And unfortunately, this whole COVID-19, if it showed anything, it showed that we are the vast majority of the country do not understand influence. They don't understand how they're being manipulated all the time. They don't get that because if they knew it, they would be able to stand up and and say and critically think about it and be able to prevent themselves from being influenced at all. One of the reasons I'm telling you guys this is because I want you to be aware of it so that you can recognize when it's being done to you. Right? I want you because there's a lot of people out there who are trying to manipulate you, who are trying to control your mind. I want you to be aware of when that's happening. Always be on the lookout for it because there is a war that is constantly happening. We are in a constant state of war. It's a psychological war, and it's always happening. Somebody is always trying to convince you and to control you and to manipulate you. It's, it's always happening. It happens everywhere. So, it, you know, it's just I don't want to see that continue to happen. I want to see people be aware of this manipulation tactic. I want to show people what was done to them, psychologically speaking, through this whole virus and this whole virus scam so that that doesn't happen in the future. 
so you can be aware of it so that I increase the number of liberty-oriented people that look at that, call BS, and say, no, you're wrong. That's what I want to do. And of course, to get everyone to become financially free, you know, all that kind of stuff. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be it for the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I honestly, I didn't intend to talk about the economic stuff and I did intend to talk about, uh, the stuff with Tom Woods and, and all that stuff. And Tom Woods is great. If you guys haven't checked him out, it's absolutely amazing. You need to go check him out. And again, I'm not trying to say that Tom Wood, I guess in, in this episode, I was, I said that Tom Woods was supporting the lockdowns. I don't know if he really did. I don't remember the episode. It was a while back. Okay. But I wanted to talk about it because it, it kind of segued well into the influence thing, but he did, I think he was in favor of the lockdowns initially. I I could be wrong with that statement. So please don't take it as I'm saying that that's what Tom would say. I think that's what he said, but I, I could be wrong. He may have just been saying that he was in favor of people freely choosing to self-isolate. But there, but either way, there were a lot of people, there were a lot of liberty-loving individuals that were in favor of the lockdowns and whatnot. So anyways, that said, that's going to be it for the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. You know, make sure to like and subscribe wherever you are. Make sure to leave me a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars if you think it's if the show is worth it. You know, I hope you do. I, I try to be entertaining. I try to be provide you guys a lot of value and whatnot. So if you guys love what I'm doing here and you're getting a lot of value out of it, then hey, hey, go in. Like I said, go give me a rating review on iTunes. Uh, five stars if if you think it's it's worth that. And please, if you're getting a lot of value out of it, then again, do me a favor. This show grows because of you, okay? In order to continue to get this idea of financial freedom, Austrian economics, free markets, the li- living the liberty lifestyle, in order to get this these ideas out there, I need your help. I can't do it by myself, okay? I'm not a one-man island, okay? I need you guys to go out there and to help spread the show so that I can spread the message. I, I need your help to do that, guys. That's the whole, we grow because of you. I am successful on the show because of you. You guys coming here, loving the content, enjoying it, spreading it, Letting other people know what you're enjoying. If you're getting a lot of value out of it, there I guarantee you there are people in your life that will also get a lot of value out of it. You know, you are involved in groups on social media. If you are allowed to, share it there. So guys, we grow because of you. And as long as you guys keep coming back here, we'll continue to keep doing this show. But we survive off of you. And the show will become successful or not successful based off of you, based off of how you guys love the show. So if you're liking it, give a rating and review on iTunes. If you're liking it, share the show. Tell people about it. Tell people about the message that we're trying to get here. And hey, also, if you like it, become a supporting listener of the show. Help me to spread the message. So if you're loving the show, then become a supporting listener. Get access to the Liberty Informant. Get access to the Matthew Spazitti Elite Group. It's a bunch of great stuff. I've talked about it all the time. Liberty Informant. I come in. I read articles from really great libertarian, Austrian economic, uh, free market oriented institutions like the American Institute for Economic Research, you know, the the Foundation for Economic Education, and the Mises Institute. And we all we, we also just added intellectual takeout as well. Really, really great place. Uh, they're affiliated with the Charlemagne Institute, very free market oriented people, right? Again, amazing, amazing stuff. If you guys want to be keep yourself informed, you want to see what I'm reading all the time and you want to have access to the audio file so that you guys can listen to it whenever you want, these articles are great and they are going to be provided for you guys just for signing up. 
you know, it gives you guys the ability to consume that information in a new medium so that you guys can easily consume it when it's convenient for you. You don't have to sit down and read them all. That I think that's huge. This is great information. It helps me stay informed of what's happening in the economy. It's part of the research that I do every week in order to keep myself informed. You need to be informed as well. So either go and read it or subscribe and get access to the audio files so that you guys can keep yourself informed as well. So ladies and gentlemen, hey, if you will do all of that for me, I'll put all the links in the description for the support page. Again, it'll say something, it'll be like support the show or, you know, get access to Liberty Informant or whatever, you know, whatever. I think I'm kind of, I don't like it being so long and whatnot, so... I don't know. I might reduce it to just become a supporting listener. I might literally just reduce the link to that. But anyways, there'll be links in the show notes page. So if you guys are listening to this on iTunes or whatever, look at the show notes page. Check out the all where I'm at. If you want to follow me, I got a follow me section down there. Click on any one of those links. Subscribe, follow, and yeah. And then I'll post all the affiliate links in there as well so you guys can go check that stuff out too if you're interested. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Like I said, I loved it. I thought it was a great episode. And if you'll do all that stuff for me that we talked about, I'll see you guys in the next episode. As always, know the risks, plan accordingly, and have a great day.